Well, praise the Lord. Aren't you glad to be here this morning? Amen. I missed you last week, uh, but I know you had great services. I watched them and listened to them. And uh, Brother Case and them are on, well, they're in Florida now. And Brother Jason and them are leaving right after church. We never know what Brother Aaron's going to be doing. Uh, I'm sure he's got something on the agenda this week. And uh, Christy and them, got it's fall break, so we've got people scattered all over. Uh, but uh, we're thankful you're here. Amen. John chapter 13. John chapter 13 is we think this morning about being a servant of the Lord. John chapter 13 beginning in verse 1. Would you stand with me please in honor of God's holy inspired inerrant all sufficient word. The Bible says now before the feast of the Passover when Jesus knew that his hour was come that he should depart out of this world unto the Father Having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. Supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had, was come from God and went to God, he rises from supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel, and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, and to wipe them with the towel the wherewith he was girded. Pray with me, please. Father, thank you this morning. You're the hope. You're our foundation. You're our peace. Everything we need is in you. Lord, we're not just saying the word of God is all sufficient. We're claiming it and knowing that it's all sufficient, that everything you have for us, Lord, we praise you for it and thank you. I ask you, Lord Jesus, would you use these scriptures to speak to our hearts today? Maybe there's somebody here that's never been saved. Maybe there's somebody here that's been saved but has never surrendered to being a real servant of yours. Maybe there are folk here today that need a church home that are seeking you. Lord, would you just fill every need according to your divine plan? And we'll be thankful for what you're doing in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I'm reminded of the man that went to the doctor after weeks and weeks of symptoms. That's usually the way men are. We get to where we can't move and then we'll finally break down and go to the doctor. And so he went to the doctor and the doctor examined him and then called the patient's wife into the office. And he said, ma'am, we've, we've got some real problems. Your husband is suffering from a rare form of anemia. And uh, without treatment, he'll be dead in just a few weeks. But if you do the treatment, He'll live for years. And he said, you're going to need to get up early every morning and fix your husband a hot breakfast. No more wop biscuits. I mean, real biscuits and gravy, sausages, and all that good stuff, you know. And then he said, you're going to need to do a good lunch. Needs to be a good lunch, nutritious. And then at supper, it needs to be a steak and potato. And then, amen. And then, and then probably throw a little peach cobbler in there too. And... Uh, and then he said, well, there's one more thing. This anemia, is, uh, his system is so weak, you've got to keep your home spotless all the time. He said, do you have any questions? She said, no, sir, I don't. Do you want me to tell him or are you going to share with him? She said, I'll share with him. She walked out in that room and he looked at her and said, uh, it looks bad, isn't it? She said, yes, it is. She said, well, what's going to happen to me? She looked at him with a tear rolling down her eyes. You're going to die. 
you're going to die. <laughs> now, <laughs> somebody over here tried to beat me to the punchline over here, but y'all settle down, I tell you. That, that's a laughing part of it. But when you come to John chapter 13, that's exactly what Jesus is saying. I'm fixing to die. Now, up to this time, he's told them, look, my time's not at hand. This is not time for me. Mm -mm. Remember, he did the miracle. They said, well, don't tell a word. It's not my time. The hour's not come. But when you get to John chapter 13, the hour is come. It's getting close to the hour. He's becoming sin for us. Calvary, if it wasn't for that cross, if he had not died on that cross and shed his blood to pay sin's debt, he said the sacrifice for you and for me and, and for those with him there. The good thing about all of this, even though he was departing, he's really just changing from phase here to another phase in heaven. He's phasing out his earthly ministry but he's not going anywhere. He's going to the Father's right-hand throne. So he's still, he's not out of the picture. Thank God for that. He's not out of the picture. He's teaching his disciples a very important lesson, one that he wants us to understand, and one that if we could understand, I want to tell you something, life would be a lot better for us. And that is the lesson of being a servant. Lesson of being a servant. The lesson of being a servant. There need to be another slide up there. There we go. Hallelujah. If we're going to use that thing, let's lose you. Amen. You struggle with that. I struggle with that. The disciples struggled with that. This is a lesson that every one of us need to learn that we can serve the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, he says the greatest among you is the servant of all. And what are they doing? They're arguing who's going to sit on the left-hand side of him. Are you going to sit on the right-hand side? Who's the greatest? <laughs> Let me tell you this morning, Christianity is not about popularity. It's not about fame or fortune. It's not about what platform you're on or, or the, uh, the publicity that you're going to get. It's not about lifting you up. It's about lifting Jesus up. That's what servanthood is all about. Now, we just finished a service at Mason Creek where we installed and ordained five deacons there, five great men, and... Uh, I want to tell you, this church has a tremendous blessing uh, dealing with our deacons in this church. I would trust my life with any one of them. Uh, they're tremendous. They're servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. Christianity must be about servanthood. That's what being in the choir is about. It's not about how good you look. It's not about performance. Listen, I... Uh, mm, I just want caution every one of us in these days that we're living in, in the television and all of the splash, uh, you know, and we're even doing more with the lights than sometimes I even want to do. But we ain't getting no fog machine up here. <laughs> this thing is not some performance. This is a time when we come to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. And we come to serve each other. And that's what being in the choir is about. It's serving. That's what being an usher is about. It's serving. That's what being a Sunday school teacher is about. It's serving. And if you don't have this lesson learned, it's going to come out. Now, you'll be able to handle it for a little while. Somebody's going to hack you off. There's going to come a time when your pride is going to be tested. And under the scope of character proving, 
If that servant attitude doesn't exist in your heart, it's going to come out. It's going to be exposed. Jesus is still teaching this lesson. And so not a one of us are exempt from it this morning. Uh, if the Son of God is doing what he's doing in John chapter 13, I just want to tell you, you got some gall not serving the Lord. I mean, it, it, mm, you just got to be full of pride and uh, some gall to not serve the Lord Jesus Christ after what he's done for us and what he's doing for us. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And uh, he, yet he was a servant. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you came from. I don't care where you think you're going. And it doesn't matter what your title is. At the end of the day, you got a lot of nerve saying, I'm not going to serve Jesus. Now let's just kind of look at this thing quickly here this morning. His position of honor. We're talking about Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords. You see, he was aware of what was going to happen to him. He knew. He said, my time is coming. He's getting his disciples ready for the time when he's going to leave, when he's going to depart. Listen, folks, Calvary didn't catch Jesus by surprise. He knew it was coming. Judas betraying him, it wasn't a surprise. 30 pieces of silver wasn't a surprise. The spear wasn't a surprise. The crown of thorns wasn't a surprise. The whip wasn't a surprise. The nails in his hands and feet were not a surprise. You know, when we think something bad is going to happen, I'm coming up this week to a heart cath. And I'm a baby. I mean, my goodness, uh, we, we've got to shut everything down. I'm going to have a heart cath Thursday. That's the way our mind works, amen? We can't think about helping nobody else because we're too worried about ourselves. Oh, it's going to be bad. And we've got it all bad. We've got it all figured out. We think something's about to happen. We're distracted. We don't call it, we're not thinking about other people. Well, let me just tell you something this morning. No man has ever endured what my Savior endured. And he kept his eyes on the cross. And folks, that's what we need to do also. Jesus was not in the dark. He was not oblivious to what was happening. He knew all about the cross. So he was aware. And yet in his awareness, he had an affection, the Bible says, for them. Now who is them? <laughs> the ones who's going to crucify him in just a little while. He still loved them. He still had an affection for them. They're going to scatter. He knew Peter was going to deny him. He knew Thomas was going to doubt him. He knew they were going to get aggravated and all the fishermen were going to go back to fishing again. He knew they would know he was dead and they wouldn't understand the resurrection. And yet in the middle of all that, he loved them. That old song we used to sing, he knew me, yet he loved me. He whose glory makes the heavens shine, so unworthy of such mercy, yet when he was on the cross, I was on his mind. Praise the name of Jesus. He had an affection. He loved them. He had an awareness and his authority. The Bible says the Father had given him all things. He's in control. Everything's in his hands. He's the boss. He's the one in charge. The last candidate in that upper room who ought to have been washing feet was the Lord. And yet he's the one doing it. <laughs> Common folk, unlearned fishermen. They're the ones that ought to have been washing the feet. I'm just saying, you got a lot of nerve not serving the Lord. 
I, nothing you could ever do would cause you to have to come down as far as Jesus came down. Jesus left heaven in all of his glory and came down to earth. Well, I, I don't do that, preacher. That's not my job. I don't have a knack for that. I, I want to tell you, I, I apologized already twice this morning. I want to do it one more time with the big group because many of you I've lied to. Many of you have come and said, Brother Charles, we want to know, we want to do something for God. How do we know what we want to do for God? How do we want to serve the Lord? And I would tell you something goofy like, well, you do what you enjoy doing. If you like to drive a bus, get into bus ministry. If you like to teach, get in Sunday school. If you like to sing, get in the choir. Do what you enjoy doing. That's 21st century Christianity. Let me tell you what you do as a servant. You do what needs to be done, whatever it is. You may not like it. You're, well, I don't like that. Well, it don't make any difference. You're a servant. You're a slave. You do what needs to be done. 35, 40 years ago, I don't want to get gross, but if someone regurgitates in here, there'll be two of us. <laughs> It'd be just like that. I mean, that's just me. Amen? <laughs> Shake your head, honey, yes. <laughs> it's been 35 years ago plus. Becky was up sick, and I could hear her in the bathroom. I knew what was happening, and I acted like I was asleep, <laughs> dead to the world. <laughs> I hear Jeremy in the other room, and he's screaming. I go in there to get him, and he throws up all over me. <laughs> I mean, she's in the bathroom. He's there. I got through all of it. Now, when it was over, I'd sit down and take a Xanax and kind of collect my thoughts a little bit. But I'm telling you, God gave me the grace to get through it. He'll give you the grace to get you through what you need to get through. When we're talking about serving the Lord, we're not picking out what we want to do. We need to pick out what needs to be done. What is it going to do to further the kingdom of God? Listen, in John 13, Jesus is not just washing anybody's feet. He's washing the feet of the men he created. He's washing the feet of the man that he controlled. His position. They ought to have been bowing down, worshiping him, and yet he's washing feet. You can't pass this scripture without thinking about his humility also. The Bible says supper is ended. The devil's put in Jesus, Judas's heart to betray him. Everybody kind of settled down. Jesus goes over, takes his outer robe off, and gets a basin and puts water in it and a towel, and he begins to wash feet. It's an unsought of. There's nobody said, Jesus, we're reading the bulletin, and the bulletin says you're supposed to wash feet tonight. We're on a rotation, and it's your turn. It's the order of service, Jesus. Nobody sought him out. Excuse me, Jesus, would you mind doing this for us tonight? Nobody said that. There's no slave in the house. There's no lowest servant in the house. So without being asked, without being prompted, without being hinted to, Jesus just goes over and takes the towel in the basin and starts washing feet. Hmm. Not only was it unsought, it was selfless. You want to be a servant for God? You're going to have to leave the place where you're comfortable. We got people today who won't even leave their seat, let alone leave the place. My seat. I sit here all the time. 
Well, let me ask you something. If Jesus' seat was not so important that he wouldn't be willing to get up and leave it to serve, what makes your seat so important? You see, the seat represents the comfort zone, and every one of us love to be in the comfort zone. There's, I, you know, there may be a few evil Knievels in here, but most of us love doing what we know is happening, and we love knowing what's going on, what we're used to doing. It was unsought, it was selfless, but it was always also distasteful. Somebody raise your hand if you just love washing feet. I don't see a hand anywhere in here. Now, we're not, listen now, there were no boots. There were no Air Jordans. There were no socks. We're talking about open-toed sandals. We're talking about men who'd been walking all day long on the Sea of Galilee that were soiled and nasty and caked up and grimy and ingrown toenails and stinking, and the Son of Man is there washing their feet. God asked me a couple of questions. Uh, so I'm going to ask you too. Since he asked me, I feel like you ought to be a part of it too. He asked me, what is it that's untasteful for you to do? What is it that's untasteful? I'll tell you what, one thing here. And I've, I've, I've done a thousand of them and we're still doing it. Whoever goes in these bathrooms and clog these commodes up, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> and then walk out of there like you're just fine. That's untasteful for me. I mean, I just it, it's not on my list of wanting to do. What is it around here that's untasteful for you that you could say, Lord, I'm going to do it. If it needs doing, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And then it's unsought, it's selfless, it's distasteful, but it's limitless. It's bad enough washing feet. But I believe. I'm not trying to be funny. I believe if I'd come to the feet of Judas, I'd have twisted that foot just a little bit. I'd have twisted it more than a little bit. <laughs> and yet, our Lord, knowing what he's around the corner fixing to do, sits right there and washes his feet. Oh, love of God. Wow. It's okay to wash feet if we're cool with the people we're washing the feet with. But we're not wanting to wash feet. Mm. My other question that the Lord asked me, I'm going to ask you, when's the last time you blessed somebody that cursed you? <laughs> That's exactly what the Lord did. Judas is going to betray him for 30 pieces of silver and Jesus sits there. You know, the word of God says, don't repay evil with evil. Vengeance is mine, thus saith the Lord. We're supposed to be like Jesus. Let me just tell you, you can't wash people's feet if you're not wrapped up in the mind of Christ. You can't do it. Well, I see here quickly a picture of helpfulness. You, I, we don't have time to read all the scripture, but you can read it when you get home. Peter's saying, uh, Lord, ain't nobody going to wash my feet. And Jesus said, yeah, yeah, and he explains it to him. And then Peter says, oh, well, then not just my feet, Lord, but everything. 
And then the Lord explains it to him. Peter, you don't need to wash everything. You know why? Because the blood of Jesus has already covered your sin. You see, the blood of Jesus covers our sin. That represents the relationship. But washing the feet represents the fellowship. You can't have a relationship and not be in fellowship. But the blood covers it. That's our relationship to Jesus. And the feet washing, that's our fellowship with Jesus. The cleansing power through and through. As far as the east is from the west, he gives us a full bath. Let me get on this last point here. The perspective from heaven. What, what, what's going on in heaven? The Father's given Jesus everything. I think, first of all, there's a description in verses 13 and 14. The Bible says in John 13, Ye call me Master and Lord, and say you well, for so am I. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. There's a description there. He's saying, I'm the Lord, I'm the Master, then you do what I say do. But not only is there a description, there's an example there in verse 15. For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. Now that's good that there's a description and there's an example. <laughs> but let me tell you, there's an expectation here too. Look, look down in verse 16. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If ye know these things, happy are ye if ye do them. Wow. I jotted down four things that bless me when I'm a servant. Number one is this. When I'm a servant, it keeps me from getting offended. You see, when you're a servant, you're already as low as you can go. You're on the bottom. Can't nobody offend you. You're already as low as you can go. So when I'm a servant, hey, talk all you want to. Gossip all you want. Don't make any difference. I'm already as low as I can get. The second thing, though, it keeps my mind on serving others. See, when I'm being a servant, I'm to worry. I don't have to worry about what somebody's not doing for me because I'm concerned with doing for somebody else. You down this morning, kind of discouraged? I challenge you. Find somebody that needs a blessing and be a blessing to them. Be a servant to them. See if it don't lift your spirits. And then thirdly, it keeps me from complaining. <laughs> I'm a servant. I don't have any right to complain. I, I just got to do what the master says do. Who am I to tell the master what I'm going to do and what I'm not going to do? I've told my wife, I know it's, I'm trying to use psychology on God. <laughs> you ever do that? Don't lie. I tell my wife all the time, you just tell her, uh, you just tell the Lord, look, I'd love to go to India. I'd love to go to China. I'd love, I ain't want to go to either one of them places. I want to stay right here. I don't want to go to another church. I want to stay right here at Woodland Hills. I mean, my last breath, y'all can look at me from down there. I, I want to be right here. That's what I want. But I'll be honest with you, if God knocked on my heart's door today and said, look, you're out of there. Time up. I've had that happen before. Time's up. You go somewhere else. 
I have no right to sit here and argue with God about where he's sending me. That's up to him. Now, I'm praying he don't send me nowhere because I'm afraid I'd have to leave my wife here. But it keeps me from complaining. The last thing is it helps me to be like my Savior when I'm a servant. It helps me to be like Jesus. My goodness, have mercy. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus said, The king shall say unto them on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, you gave me meat. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, you took me in naked, clothed me sick. You visited me in prison, you came unto me. Then shall the righteous say unto him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and fed thee, thirsty, give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and took thee in naked and clothed thee? When did we see you sick or in prison and came unto me? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto the one at least of these my brethren, you've done it unto me. That's what Jesus said. Wow. 25 Matthew, the end times. He's separating the saved from the lost. And one of the proofs is how we treated other people. How do you serve Jesus? The only way to serve Jesus is to serve others. If Jesus were here in the flesh, we could serve him. But he's not. So the only way we can serve Jesus is by serving others. I was reading a story of Doug Nichols was a missionary in the 60s in India, Operation Mobilization. And he said he spent several months, he had TB, and so he had to go to a sanitarium with the tuberculosis and finally being admitted into the sanitarium. He said, I tried to give tracts to the patients, to the doctors, to the nurses. Nobody would take them. You could tell they really wasn't happy with me. He said, I'm an American, and to every one of them, you know how this is if you traveled. If you're an American, everybody thinks you're rich. You may be poorer than dirt and own a free ride somewhere, but everybody believes you're rich. And he said, they didn't know that I was as broke as they were. He said, I was discouraged. I was being I was sick, had TB. Everybody angry at me, not being able to witness was a language barrier. Nobody bothering to take a track or the gospel of John. And he said, the first few nights I would wake up about 2 o'clock coughing with that tuberculosis. And he said, one night I woke up about 2 and I was coughing. And there was an older gentleman across the, in the bed on the other side. And he woke up and he was trying to get up. But he was so weak he didn't have enough strength. He fell back down in bed. He'd try to get up, and he'd fall back down in bed. And uh, he said that morning they woke up to one of the worst stenches he'd ever smelled in his life. The guy had tried to get up to go to the toilet, and he didn't have enough strength to get up, so he just went where he was. He said the nurses were mad, the doctors were mad, the other patients were mad. He said everybody was mad, and he said it was rough. The next night, he said he woke up about 2 o'clock. Sure enough, he was coughing. And there he looked across there again, and the guy was trying to get out of bed, and he couldn't. He'd just fall back, and he could hear him sobbing and crying. And he said, I don't know what got a hold of me, but he said, I just by instinct walked over there and put my arms under him. He said he didn't weigh very much. He was just almost dead. And he said, I picked him up, 
and I carried him down to the toilet, which Barbie and y'all know, Denise, ain't nothing but a hole in the floor is all it is. And he said, I held him there while he did his business. And then he said, I, I took him back and I laid him down in bed and I was laying down and I was laying down. He kissed me on the cheek and he said something. He said, just by his actions, I knew he was saying thank you. And uh, he said, it was amazing what happened the next morning. One of the other patients, he said, I didn't even know that I'd wakened, uh, woke him up. But he woke me up with a steaming cu cup of delicious Indian tea. And he made motions with his hand. He didn't know any English. He wanted a track. And as the sun came up, he said other patients began to approach and they wanted tracks and they wanted the booklets. And he said then the nurses came and the interns came and the doctors came until everybody in the whole hospital had a track or a booklet or a gospel of John. And over the next few days, he said, person after person indicated that they'd been saved. He said, what, what, what did it take? I was thinking, what did it take to reach these people with the good news? It certainly wasn't my health. He said, I still had TB. It, it certainly wasn't the ability to speak or give a, 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 a message to them. I couldn't even understand their language. He said, all it was, I simply took an old man to the bathroom, and anybody could have done that. Wow, that's serving Jesus. I travel down a lonely road No one seemed to care The burden on my weary back Had bowed me to despair Well, I oft complained to Jesus How folks were treating me And then I heard him say so tenderly my feet were all so weary upon the Calvary's road the cross became so heavy I fell beneath the load be faithful weary pilgrim the morning I can see Just lift your cross And follow close to me I work so hard for Jesus I often boast and say I've sacrificed a lot of things To walk the narrow way I gave up fame and fortune. I'm worth a lot to thee. And then I heard him gently say to me, I left the throne of glory and I counted it but loss. 
My hands were nailed in anger upon a cruel cross. But now we'll make the journey with your hand safe in mine. So lift your cross and follow close to me. Oh, Jesus, if I die upon a foreign field someday, t'would be no more than love demands, no less could I repay. No greater love hath mortal man than for a friend to die. These are the words he gently spoke to me. If just a cup of water I place within your hands, then just a cup of water is all that I demand. But if by faith to living they can thy glory see I'll take my cross and follow close to thee you serve Jesus by serving others father would you speak to our hearts this morning during this invitation time Lord I'm asking you to reach down God, break our cold hearts, our spirits that are not in tune with you. God, bring us to the point where we look at you and all you've done for us and say, all I want to do is serve our Lord. I want to be faithful. I want to serve Jesus. Maybe today there are those in this place that have never been saved. Let me tell you, quit trying to serve the Lord if you're not saved. Because it won't work. you got to get saved. Maybe this morning you say, I need to be born again. Maybe this morning you're saying, Lord, I know I've been saved. And there was a time when I served the Lord, but I've got all these excuses. And I would just ask you this question. You've got some kind of nerve knowing what Jesus has done for you that you wouldn't serve him. Maybe you need a church home. Father, you know every one of us in this place. Let your will be done. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Would you stand together?